Hi, I'm Johanna Ferreira, content director of Pop Sugar Juntos. Juntos is all about celebrating Latin A culture, pride, our many intersectional identities, and joy. Thanks to support from Prime, there's so much to get into over at Juntos this month. From conversations with the Latin A minds behind our favorite new movies and resurrected TV shows, to thoughtful celebrity commentary and exclusive interviews with some of the biggest Latin music artists today. And it doesn't stop there. Get more of the music, movies, and shopping you love on Prime. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more of whatever you're into from streaming to shopping. And get all of our latest coverage at PopSugar.com slash Juntos. Con amor, Johanna. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, this is Good One, a podcast about jokes. I'm your host, Vulture Senior Editor, Jesse David Fox. Each episode, I have a comedian come on to play a clip of one of their bits and discuss how they wrote it and how it fits to what they're trying to do with their comedy. This week's guest is Ronnie Chang. He's a Daily Show senior correspondent, and late last year, he released the fantastic Netflix stand-up special, Asian Comedian Destroys America. The special is a culmination of Ronnie's journey as a person and a comedian, so I wanted to share an overview of his life story. Ronnie was born in Malaysia before his family moved to New Hampshire for several years. He finished his childhood growing up in Singapore. For college, Ronnie moved to Melbourne, Australia to study to be a lawyer. It was there he started doing comedy in 2009. Ronnie quickly made quite a name for himself in Australia, in a way which is a bit different than how it works in America. Ronnie and I talk about it in the episode, but the Australian comedy scene kind of works like Edinburgh and the UK. You know, in in the US, a comedian starts out building up material, performing short sets every night until they eventually can perform on the road for longer and longer amounts of time. In Melbourne and the UK, comedians pretty quickly start writing and performing hour shows because they're building to their respective big annual festival where that is the standard. Hannah Gatsby's Nanette came out of this culture. So, when Trevor Noah tapped him as one of his new correspondents in 2015, Ronnie Chang moved to New York and faced a very different comedy scene in a very different country. Ronnie even ended up looking to his Daily Show colleagues John Oliver and Roy Wood Jr. for advice. Four years later, you get the joke we discussed this episode. And it's about, what else? America. It should be noted, we recorded this interview in January of this year. So, here is Ronnie Chang. Uh, yeah, I've been living in America for a while now. It's been great. Uh, there's so much stuff here. There's so much stuff in America. There's so much abundance. It's, it's hard to see if you've been born and raised here, but when you come from somewhere else, it's so obvious. The abundance in this country, out of control. So much stuff. Everyday new stuff. It's like Christmas. Every day. Hyperloops, electric cars, SpaceX, robot vacuums iPhone 8s and 10s at the same time. <laughs> Can't even wait in America. We get the iPhone 8, we're like, you know what? Fuck 8 and fuck 9, 10. Let's go. <laughs> Just skipping iPhone models. There's so much stuff. There's so much food in America. There's so much food every. <laughs> food. So much, there's so much content. So much content. Oh my God. So much content on demand. So many screens. The most screens per capita in the world. Every night in America is like a competition to see how many screens we can get between our face and the wall. Right? It's like iPhone, iPad, laptop, TV, and then Apple Watch. Okay? As, many, as many screens in a row as I can get in front of my face. I need a screen below my eyes and a screen above my eyes. So when I look down and I look up, I don't miss any of the action. 
in this Game of Thrones episode that cost 30 million dollars, but for some reason we couldn't figure out how to adjust the contrast, and so everything is dark as fuck. So much stuff, so much, so much packaging. Oh my God, the packaging in America. Everything here is triple bagged, right? You order anything to eat at any restaurant, they give you 50 napkins. You throw away 80. Yeah, in America, you throw away more napkins than you took. Just breaking the laws of reality with the abundance. Every restaurant you go to in America, you just make it rain napkins every day. <laughs> Glass of water, five napkins. <laughs> Amazon Prime every day. Send that shit to my house every day. Never leave your house in America. Never leave your house. Land of the free and land of never leaving your house. No item too trivial. No quantity too small. To be hand delivered into your home like an emperor. Anything. Anything in the world that comes to mind. Any fleeting thought you have while drunk. Anything. I want one pen. I want one, I don't want a box. I want just one pen. I want it in a box with some plastic. Throw some napkins in there. In another box, in a bigger box. 50 million boxes flying across America at all times. The airspace above America is just Amazon Prime. Packaging, just knocking into each other. Like satellite debris, right? More, more prime. Can't get enough prime here. We need it prime. We need prime harder, faster, stronger. Faster prime. Prime now. Prime now. Two hour delivery. Prime now. Give it to me now. When I press buy, put the item in my hand. Now. In America, there should be no lag, zero lag, between when I press the button and when the item is gently placed into my hand so I can use it now. Oh, same day delivery? Oh! Un-American. Same day? Now. Prime now. Break into my house. And put the food I ordered in my mouth. And help me chew it. And then push it down my esophagus with a stick. And then pull the feces out of my anus for me now. It's like, where do we go from here? as a civilization, like how much more convenience can we get? How much less energy can we use to get what we want? Let's get Prime before. Send it to me before I want it. It's 2019, I have to make a decision before you mail me what I buy? Use artificial intelligence to substitute my own intelligence so I can live my life. Send me everything I want before I want it. In as many boxes as possible. So much packaging. But, yeah, very happy to be here. Why, why do people come here? No, wait, wait, hang on, hang on. <laughs> Why do people come here? Why, why, why do first-generation immigrants come here? Because this is the best, right? This is the best. This is the NBA. America is the NBA. Do you guys know that? You guys live in the NBA. In Asia, we think of America as the NBA. It's where you go to be the best at whatever you're doing. You come here to do it with other people 
who are the best at what they're doing. Like the Chinese name for America is Meiguo. That directly translates into English as beautiful country. That's the Chinese name for America, beautiful country. That's what we say when we say America in sentences. We say beautiful country. Have you been to a beautiful country? They have unlimited napkins in a beautiful country. <laughs> they don't give a fuck. They don't even use it. They just take it and then just throw it away. It's a, it's a beautiful country. China in Chinese is Zhongguo. That means middle country. It means nothing. We named this place better than we named our own shit. It's a beautiful country. Let's go to a beautiful country. Let's leave the middle country. Let's go to the beautiful country. Risk it all to start from scratch in the beautiful country. And then you finally come here and everybody hates everything. Verizon sucks. AT&T sucks. The TSA sucks. Fuck the TSA, try to keep everyone alive. Fuck that. The New York subway sucks. Los Angeles traffic sucks. Statues suck. Standing sucks. Kneeling sucks. Congress sucks. Republicans suck. Democrats suck. Independents suck. Elon Musk sucks. Netflix. Hmm. All right, Netflix is all right. We got one right, Netflix is all right. But Netflix on the iPad sucks. It's an unintuitive interface. You can't download offline viewing for every show unless it's original. And I can't watch it on the plane when I fly through the air like a god. Prime now! These first world allergies. Everyone fighting to come in here. Everyone in here bitching. Doesn't make any sense. I'm here with Ronnie Chang. Thank you for joining Hey, us. thanks for having me, man. Um, so this is your first special as a comedian living in America, but I wanted to start by talking briefly about your time and process performing in Australia. Uh, for the listeners, you moved to Australia to go to college, but then to start doing comedy and continued even after getting a law degree. Uh, stand-up comedy in Australia uh, is a little bit different than in the U.S. as it's built around the Melbourne Comedy Festival, where uh, everyone, even new stand-ups, are expected to do an hour. Um, we're Damn, in you the do your research. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we're in the States. You know, a, a new comedian is like trying to get five minutes and then maybe mm. they can do that, then 10, and mm. then maybe five, seven years in, they're yeah. doing an hour. So I believe you did five hours. You released yeah. four. Yeah. Um, can you discuss the process for how those were built, or at least those hours were outlined uh, I remember you describing it as, as, as being very specific to that that um, structure. Yeah, damn, we jump right into it. No, how are you or whatever. It's just no, like, you were in Australia, <laughs> what, the, what the hell is Australia? Yeah. Um, so in Australia, like you said, we, we kind of build everything around the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. Um, and that means we build an hour festival show where there's like a narrative and a... Uh, theme. A theme and there's there's jokes as well yeah. right or, I mean I I feel if I do say so myself I felt me in Australia I always lean towards the more jokey side mm -hmm. of things as opposed to the story side um, which maybe explains you know um, how I, maybe my transition to America is a bit easier but uh, I definitely prefer that style of comedy so the idea is like for better or for worse you're writing an hour every year uh, basically, from three years in, mm -hmm. that's kind of like the pace in. Yeah. Because uh, it's hard to explain why. There's no rules, but the reason why that would be is because you start off, like everybody, you start with five minutes, then you try to get 10, you try to get 20, mm -hmm. and then when you get 20, you're like, oh my God, can I, you know, can I push even further? And then you try to get like 40, 45. But the, but the thing is that you're, when you have a good 10 minutes, 
you can start doing all these competitions and mm -hmm. showcasing and and the Melbourne Comedy Festival has a has an open mic competition, a national open mic competition. Um, and the final is televised, but the heats aren't televised. Mm -hmm. So everyone has this 10 minutes and you can kind of, if you have a really good 10 minutes, you can kind of kickstart your career a little bit by getting in, mm -hmm. quote unquote, in with the festival by kind of going far in this open mic competition. So that's kind of how a lot of comics start in Australia. The best way I can make an analogy is it will be the equivalent of... Um, trying to get 10 minutes for JFL. For those who don't know, it's Just for Laughs, which is sure. the main comedy festival in Montreal. I thought you said this was inside baseball, yeah, well, man. I just want to make sure we're inside. <laughs> they need to be brought in. Yeah, sure. We so, appreciate it. The so, producer gives me a thumbs up. So, yeah, um, uh, you you do this open mic competition. If you do well in the competition, they, they might ask you back the next year mm -hmm. to do like a showcase show for like, no one calls it this. I'm just making up this name right now. It's essentially sophomore comedians. So comedians in their second or third year who did well in the open mic competition, you do this like five comic showcase. Mm -hmm. You know, it's called Comedy Zone. And it's been going for 20, 30 years now, you know. So, um, you know, Hannah Gadsby did it. Like yeah. everybody came out yeah. of Australia did it. So um, I did it. Like, um, and you do like a new 10 minutes there that you didn't do in your raw. So, you know, that's like your next yeah. year, yeah, yeah. your mission is to write this <laughs> next 10 minutes. And then after Comedy Zone, the pathway usually to keep your momentum going is you should be doing an hour, yeah. you know, and you're trying to get the best newcomer award, which means you, mm -hmm. you wrote an hour show that, you know, which is what I did. I, yeah. I wrote an hour, my first hour, I won the best newcomer show. And then you're kind of on your way, you know, that's kind of like the ideal pathway. And so that pathway kind of motivates a lot of people, whether or not you actually achieve that in that time frame. Yeah. America has a more built-in touring system of like, oh, you, you open, then you middle, and you're doing yes. late night. Yes. That is the Australian equivalent, which is why the air hours yes. front-loaded, I guess. Yes. And so we, in America, the goal is to kind of get on TV with a 10 minutes. That's yeah. why everyone here is super punchy yeah. and funny, you know, um, killer, killer 10 minutes. And in Australia, you're, <laughs> we don't we don't have TV. Yeah. So no one's goal is to do that. We really, there's no showcase for TV in Australia, yeah. you know. So, um, I you know, it's very tempting to say we go less punchy, but I think in Australia, we have a 10 minute set, yeah. but we also learn to tell longer stories. It's a, it's a storytelling mm -hmm. culture, you know. Um, so when you're doing a one hour show that people come to see you and there's no opening act, they pay money oh, to see your name, mm -hmm. one hour, Ronnie Chan, one hour, whatever your show title is, that, that changes the dynamic of things a little bit because you're not going to a comedy club. We have comedy clubs too, where you have to go in and prove your worth mm -hmm. to a essentially uncaring audience who is wanting to laugh, right? Yeah. But when you're doing a one hour show in a festival environment, people pay money to watch you and they'll give you the time of day to kind of... Uh, expand a little bit mm -hmm. on your ideas or, or or show a bit of who you are and what you're about. You know, In fact, they expect it. Yeah. If you don't do it, they leave like feeling like something's missing. Yeah. So that idea of mining personal experiences to tell a story, you know, that that's a very kind of, I would say, Australian comedy tradition. Also British, that we yeah, got yeah. from the British, you know, the Edinburgh Fringe Fest. In contrast to now, how would you go about when you know you're doing an hour, how would you start? Look, I don't have all the answers, but I figured <laughs> out a process to do it later on. But you're talking, you're asking me about my initial process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But dude, initial, we don't know what the hell we're doing. In my style, I if I do say so myself, was kind of more American yeah. than Australian because I was trying to build really funny 10-minute sets and add it up into an hour. But the thing about doing an hour festival show is you can elevate it. You know, if you do six 10-minute club sets, I, I don't think anyone will complain. Well, at least I don't think anyone should yeah. complain. Like, that's super funny, right? Yeah. But you'll find that you can elevate the material by finding a through line mm -hmm. if you can connect the dots, you know? And um, oftentimes what will happen is you'll get to 40 minutes and you'll find all these connectors in between that add so much to it and f also fill in the time but they're yeah. not I don't mean it as filler I just mean that the connectors which are really good segues or like ideas that join together in the joining of it they become more than what they want individually mm -hmm. and then they just they, they it starts writing itself almost yeah. you know so uh, that's one way that you kind of build the hour and then the other way is maybe you have a longer story at yeah. the end that you want to tell you know like you know Bill Burr's a great example he has longer stories at the end and um, one time I asked him because uh, I was I was lucky to open for him in Australia and I asked him like would you do that longer story in a club and he was like no I wouldn't oh interesting so meaning that even in America there's a there's a yeah you need an audience 
who's going to pay attention. Right. But there's also a idea that you you do it at the end you can tell a longer story, you know? Like that's not you're not you're not trying to fill time. That's part of what this is. Yeah. I'm trying to tell you a little bit of my life and it's maybe it's not a series of one-liners, yeah, yeah, but yeah. maybe the overall experience is good, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of what I learned was like you do you try to get as many 10-minute sets as you can. You find the connecting lines. There's a, a through thought here and then you connect it together. You know? So it it should be organic. It yeah. shouldn't be artificially trying to yeah, yeah. you know, but but when you're starting out, there is an element of artificially trying to connect the dots yeah. for sure. Yeah. So in, in 2015 you you moved to the States for the Daily Show. So you're now performing stand-up as you call it in in the NBA. You're also <laughs> turning 30. I'm sure at yes. least at some point you're like, I'm going to do another hour special. I don't know if you, you had a yeah. specific date in front of but you knew like that yeah, yeah. was ideal in the horizon. No no specific date. Yeah. yeah. Did you have hopes for the sort of special you want to do or the sort of comedian you hope to be <laughs> by the time you're be- like, did you sort of have intentions? Wow. That's a, that's a really good question. I had intentions to be a good comedian. Yeah. I yeah. wanted to be a good comedian. I wanted to release a special that was what that was really good that I could be proud of you know what does what a good comedian mean to you I mean I think at the fundamentally a professional comedian is thinking of someone who can th- th- create jokes that no one else could have thought of mm-hmm. because if everyone else could have thought of it then you know what why what's the point of you doing it for money like yeah. the reason you're getting paid is because you're thinking of stuff that no one else could yeah. have thought of so you know um, I guess a great comedian would be someone who has the respect among the peers is yeah is a huge part of it I think because they are the ultimate judge I think because they know they know what's good and what's not good you know in in the aggregate you know I think um, so yeah you know this is something I learned here in America I I understood intellectually but I think I I fully understood and experienced is uh working at the Daily Show and seeing other comedians is a great comedian I think is he's saying something yeah and what you're trying to say uh is it whatever it is, socially relevant or is it important or is it, you know, uh, insightful to other people's lives? Um, what are you trying to say? You know, I think a great comedian says something great. Um, you've talked about when you first moved here, you had a conversation with John Oliver, who yes. you, you were starting the Daily Show, I mentioned, right when around he is leaving. Yeah. And he was another person who was a stand-up comedian in another country and then had to move yes. here for the Daily Show and figure out what it means to be an American comedian, and he explained to you it would it take two years, and you had and you you described this process of sort of relearning how to do comedy in America. What is the thing that you sort of have to relearn? Yeah, John Oliver was really cool to meet up with me. I think as a non-American comic moving to America, if you're let's say you're a headline level comedian in, in another country, but you're always kind of the novelty act you're like the foreign act and you can kill and that's cool but then after about six to nine months i think people smell the bullshit because you smell it yourself of yeah. like oh you're not the foreigner you know you live here now you're one of us so stop joking like you're a foreigner even if they don't know that consciously yeah, right? that's yeah. a subconscious thought that you know you're transmitting and so um it takes about two years to really learn the nuances of american culture so that you can joke about it in a way which Americans agree with. Yeah. So instead of, you know, just making, you know, very surface level observations of like guns are bad, why do you guys have guns? <laughs> or like, why do you have eight flavors of Coca-Cola? Yeah. You know, that, which Americans are like, yeah, we know that's messed up. <laughs> tell, like tell something we don't know. Yeah, yeah. If you're able to, you know, go beneath the surface of that or connect it to another thought that, Mer- you know, I think people in America will be like, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're right. That is messed up and you got us on that. That's a great point. You know, yeah. that's where you want to get to. And it just takes two years to relearn that. So I just hit the clubs when I moved to America. I, I spent three months not doing gigs because I, I was on tour for six months before that. I was in, I did a, my usual Australian circuit. I went to Edinburgh. I did Edinburgh again and I got hired on a daily show. And I was in London when I got hired on the daily show. So I was like all over the place. Mm-hmm. And then I consciously was like, all right, I got to get back on the horse here. And restarting in New York, I'm sure you know, it's like New York is its own hierarchy. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter what you did anywhere. Yeah. It, it, you could be the, you know, the Seinfeld of Sweden. Yeah, yeah. We, no, no one here cares. You could even be like this, like, you, you could be in LA and they don't even care what yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? You could be Seinfeld of LA. Yeah, like, you okay, be Seinfeld of LA. Yeah. yeah. And um, so, so you had to kind of start from scratch. And I'm lucky that The Daily Show gave me a foot in the door and I feel like, 
when I got my foot in the door, I always kind of delivered, you know, and so I would get more more bookings here. And, and then I got as many, as much stage time as I could and just re rewriting my act from scratch and um, uh, definitely having the joy of not mm. the, having the pressure of that yeah. that deadline of like, oh, you have to tour a one-hour show now. You so know? you're just like, I, the, to be like, I'm doing these 10 minutes to do these 10 minutes. Yes. You don't have to worry about necessarily pure the hour yet. It was, yeah. pure, it was pure joy of creation. It was the best. And I imagine also yep. you're coming from Australia where at this point you are a well-known comedian. Sure. So there is Relatively. certain expectations. Yeah, but but in America, there, yeah, no one knew who I was. So not, yeah, there was no expectation. So that's why it was... Um, it was even better. It was just pure. It was the best of, uh, best of comedy. You're in New yeah. York City, you know the mecca of comedy. You're running around doing gigs, and you know you're just trying to, yeah, make people laugh. It was the best. It yeah. still is the best. <laughs> yeah. um, so to talk about this joke, that uh, this sort of entire chunk is in three parts. There's sort of the, the intro, the heart, which is really about the, the napkins and Amazon Prime, and sure. then there's sort of a conclusion. The first section, you're sort of starting with the the big idea of abundance, and there's so much stuff. <laughs> yes. And um, does it start with examples that you're noticing, and then you broaden out to what the main point is, or do you have a main point that you're just sort of like it dawns on you, like oh, abundance, and then you're thinking of yeah. examples. I remember this how this joke started because I did it for the first time, a very rough version of this, very short version of this at Gotham Comedy Club. Uh, the joke was about how much napkins mm. there were and how much just like utensils and every time you order food here, there was just a whole bunch of stuff that you just dump throw away. And it, I remember it was really irritating to me because I actually care about the environment and sustainability, <laughs> unlike, I guess, most people in this goddamn city. And um, uh, I just went on stage and I talked about it. And so that's where it came from. It came more from waste. Mm-hmm. And then it became about abundance. You know, it, 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 it essentially, it's like, why is there so much waste here? And then it was like, oh, there's so much waste because there's so much stuff. stuff yeah, yeah. Yeah, so people can waste stuff because they don't care. It's like, I can throw away a thousand napkins because there's a thousand more right right there. And... and um, <laughs> Uh, I just found it crazy, yeah. and I, 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 you know, I didn't know how the joke was gonna go, obviously, but people got behind it, so I feel like even Americans felt it was crazy. You know what I mean? It wasn't just me being a weirdo. It's, it felt like it, one of those jokes where it's like you show people the Matrix of like, <laughs> oh yeah, why do we just, yeah. you know, why do we treat treat stuff like that? I was hoping that this joke would get people to kind of think about mm-hmm. how they use things. You know, I thought it was a good thing, a good message to get out there. So. Um, it kind of hit all the marks I was trying to do it. So in the first section where it's it's you set up the sort of the big premise, which is there's so much stuff in America, there's so yes. much abundance. Yeah. And then there's it's kind of more quick hit examples. You talk about the iPhones and screens. Yeah. Um, can you talk about uh, why setting it up that way or sort of the pacing of how the joke rolls out? The, the message is, is abundance in America and how much stuff we have and um, – a lot of excess, yes. which includes the way we consume content. Yeah. The, the the amount of content here, it for me, that kind of ties together the idea of access in mm-hmm. America. Um, access, just excessive. Well, it's you, access and excess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like not intentionally wordplay, but yeah. what you do in the first section, so uh, you do the sort of... Uh, intentionally or not the Chris Rock thing of you like repeat certain yeah. phrases over and over yeah, again, yeah. you'll be like, there's so much stuff. There's yeah. so much stuff, yeah. so much stuff. Yeah. It, it is that intentional or not? What do you like about that? What do you, what I about guess, your style that, that brings it out? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's, um, I can say this very sincerely. I wasn't consciously mm-hmm. influenced by Chris Rock at all. I think it's just maybe self-conscious about like in you know trying to make your point mm-hmm. clear and i may, that might be a law school thing yeah of like trying to make your your point as clear as possible so that people are on on like do you understand what i'm trying to say this thing is bad um and maybe it comes from me treating people like idiots <laughs> and having to like you know like, drag them along yeah drag them along literally like do you understand what i'm saying this is the point this is the point and i mean i think i've tried to tone it down a bit more you know i've definitely been conscious of like okay you can't you can't repeat that many times and um uh so it's like sometimes it's a bit of a vocal tick yeah and sometimes it's like oh that's just part of the rhythm yeah and you know so you have especially earlier you had jokes i mean throughout your entire career there's jokes about tech i guess there's the oh, yeah, yeah. iphone yeah yeah is that just sort of a thing that you sort of constantly are finding <laughs> f- 
frustrating? I mean, I imagine it's a, it's a active part of everyone's life. Yeah, it's a big part of my life. We use it every day. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big tech nerd, so definitely joking about that is around my alley. I mean, I spend most a lot of time on the internet, right? Just yeah. like all of us for our jobs. So that's part of it. Um, yeah, recurring themes for sure. Tech, um, arguments with women, <laughs> and then some fight at the end. Yeah. All my specials have that. They always yeah. end in some kind of fight, and then there's a joke about technology somewhere there. And yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, We're all very predictable. No, no, it's it's great. <laughs> well, it's it's a uh, it's improving on a, on a style. No, so the the so the heart of the joke, which is about packaging, and, and then Amazon. Yeah. So you had napkins first. Yes. Do you then remember getting to packaging? Again, it was just the idea of of convenience and uh, access um, in in America and how we would order this stuff in from Amazon and it would be, you know, just environmentally, yeah, yeah. it was like, I can't believe what we're doing here. Like, I imagine also once you have the napkins realization, now you're yeah. seeing... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 It, it, it became like, like more and more thoughts kind of like joined together. Yeah, there is a lot of wastage here. Like, <laughs> yeah. and, and wastage which people don't think about. You know, there's stuff which we do think about and we do nothing anyway. But, you know, like plastic bottles or straws, like we think about it, but we still, you know, we still say fuck the world. But there's stuff we don't even think about, which is the Amazon thing people don't yeah. think about. They don't even think about it in America. Yeah. You know, napkins, they're like, whatever. So uh, just, yeah, just joking off of that. And, and... Um, this sort of, th- this section especially, is it's it's really dense how do you hone it to be these sort of specific segments? Are you going up with bullet points and you just riff on that? Are you recording and listening back? Damn. Honestly, I write a lot on stage. Uh, I'll bring up some thoughts. You know, it's just like the mom on the internet joke, like teaching my mom how to delete mm-hmm. a comment. The same thing. It just kind of comes out and it starts hitting the first time you say it. And yeah, I, man, it... I don't know how I came up with all those punchlines. It just became, <laughs> it just happened. It just happened. It was you know a lot of my jokes come from speaking from frustration. I found for myself if I speak from frustration, a lot of you know that's where a lot of my comedy comes from. So it just kind of came out like that the first time, and then I, it definitely got refined. But that hard hitting part came out in one chunk. The idea about Amazon, uh, give it to me now, and put it in my mouth is a very natural thing yeah, I yeah. thought to go to, and then. And then I was thinking, how could you escalate this? It's yeah. Just yeah, get it prime before, get it before we want it. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about specific jokes in it because there's different types. Um, there's a joke where you order anything at a restaurant, they give you 50 napkins, you throw away 80. Yeah. Yeah. In America, you throw away more napkins than you took, just yeah. breaking the laws of reality, which is yeah. a different type of, you know, there's a lot of really hard punchline jokes, yeah, and yeah. that's like a more surreal, yeah, absurd yeah. joke. Yeah, is yeah. that because you come from Australia, do you think? Uh, um, oh, that's a really good question. I think um, I, maybe maybe that's because I come from Australia. So I love how we're tiptoeing around the fact that like, so the stuff that's less funny, is that because of Australia? No, I don't think it's less <laughs> I think it's a different types of funny. I think, yeah, yeah. right? I think what yeah. is interesting about this joke is there's <laughs> like, you can do this joke of just it being like a rant thing, but sure. there's like different types of jokes throughout oh, all of it. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I think I'm, I, I actually skew very absurdist yeah. and- there's some jokes I do for myself. You know, I, I put like Brazilian jiu-jitsu references just for myself, you know. So that's one of those things where I'm just like, uh, how, you know, in my, it's it just in my head, it just seems very natural to say something like, yo, you, you threw away more than you <laughs> took. Like if yeah. you wrote a sketch, that would be, exactly, you know, yeah. it'd be like, like in a sketch, it'd be like, how did we throw away this many napkins? We didn't even take this many napkins. <laughs> And so that just kind of leads to the idea of that's how much waste we're doing here, or wasting so much that it is breaking the laws of reality. Since you mentioned this, I'll bring up this joke. I want to make it clear there are jokes that are not all just for you jokes, but there's the joke where you're like, 15 million boxes fly across America <laughs> at all times. Yeah. What is that true? Did you fact check that? No, or I don't know. I just right, cool. but, but I assume that there's a lot of boxes. Where are these boxes coming from, man? <laughs> yeah. The boxes come, we throw them away, they come back. Yeah. We don't know where are these boxes coming from. There's a lot of boxes. Some- someone's making the boxes, man, and they're going somewhere because yeah. they're not in my house. <laughs> like Every day I see the Amazon vans pull up with tons of boxes. They go away, they come back next to more boxes. Where the fuck are these boxes going? <laughs> Where um, did they come from? They, so the, the punchline then is like they're they're in the airspace above America yeah. and packages knocking to each other like satellite debris. Yeah. So that is an example of a joke that does not do super well, but right. I think it's like it is evocative. It is beautiful. Sure. Is oh, that, thanks, man. I like it. You know, <laughs> yeah, I, like I think it. that's what it seemed like, right. which is like 
it reminds people that you are having fun doing this, I guess. Right. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, yeah, that is a good point. I guess what you're saying also is that in America, they would have cut that. It's it's po- it, Different comedians might have. Right. Like, I think it, there are certain comedians, I think better comedians would keep it in, which you are oh, uh, what I so call much. a better comedian. I think a worse comedian be like, oh, that's not hitting as hard as the other part. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's a it's an art, not a science, right? So you got to feel it out based on your personality. Colin Quinn, I think, put it best because he had a keynote at the Just for Laughs Festival. Every year they get like a old comic to, yeah, to yeah. give a keynote. Colin will love that I said that. Get this old, old comic <laughs> to come and do it. And I, the first time I went to Just for Laughs in 2012, and the, he was, Colin Quinn was saying like, he, it was great. It was a great, he was like giving advice to every aspect of the industry from managers to agents to open mic comics to feature comics to headline comics. You know, like, um, and uh, one of his advice to television execs, he said, stop making people do these TV sets that are just, you know, you're boiling away all the flavor from the meatball because just like Mm -hmm. the personality is what is part of it. Yeah. And so jokes like that, I feel it's like the flavor in the meatball. It's like that shows your personality. That kind of shows who you are, where you're thinking, you know, and okay, sure. Maybe I've done that joke for like, you know, the whole tour, I did it. And you're right. It always would be (laughs) like, that would be kind of the low point in the joke. But it's like, whatever, man, I think it's funny. (laughs) Yeah. You can make a structural argument that, you know, you got to bring it down to bring it back up. So th- it the Prime Now part escalates to you're, you, you're acting out uh, being fed. How do you generally approach <laughs> your, your act outs? Uh, badly. I try to, I just kind of do whatever's in my head. And then I watch, because, you know, we record a lot of our sets, but mm-hmm. we rarely video record our sets because of just the nature of, stand-up equipment. Yeah. So a lot of the times I'm doing it physically and then I see it for the first time and I'm like, what the hell is that? Does that mean anything? So um, yeah, in my head, I'm just like, this is what it will look like. So, yeah, so there's, there are act-outs throughout all of this and they end up being these sort of mini scenes, but I thought what was interesting is you don't necessarily create a separate character for it. You're not necessarily like, and there's this American guy and he's like, whatever, sitting on the couch, yeah. which... I think kind of goes back to the John Oliver idea of you're somewhat implying it is partly you. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it's it's not a joke that's saying like you Americans are doing that. You're like this is America. Yeah. Does that it. sound right? <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, honestly, the reason why there's no actors is because I don't have the talent for it. <laughs> yeah, I can't do accents, and I can't. I'm not a good actor. So if I was a better actor and imp- impressionist. I, maybe I would have. I call those special effects. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe I would have more special effects. So, so you're saying because you can't do anyone else, yeah. it's not. <laughs> yeah. It's, well, but but, but na- you're right. You're right. You are. You're right. That is a good point. That yeah. I'm. I'm not trying to separate myself from that. I'm saying like I'm here. I'm. I'm in it now. I see it. I'm not saying this to shit on you people because I participated in it too. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You described the special as a love letter to America, even though it's yeah. Sinek, what? How's where's the love in this joke? In this joke, it's I mean here you can't see in this joke, but it is a celebration of mm-hmm. you know, and and I think with love you comes the ability to call people out, right? That's how you truly love someone. If you if you didn't really love something, you'd just be like whatever, right? Lead yourselves to your own doom. But if you love something, you want it to work. Right? Yeah. you want them to be good and you want it to work I think that's one aspect of love and then I mean later on in the special I'm saying that's why I'm here I want to be here you know it's not like I'm if I really hated it why would I even (laughs) be here you know so there's that and and kind of uh, also you know calling out the aspirational um, nature of what America is you know it's a very aspirational country and Uh, that's, that's a good thing I think so the 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 last chunk you you slow it down right so you get you really build up to this big culmination of uh, Prime before and then you, that's where you do the sort of America is the beautiful country and China is the middle country yeah. Yeah. why this part now why making the point about America is the beautiful country after this big thing about I think it's what you said it's uh, exactly what you said it's 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 to let people know that I'm making jokes about this but I want to be here you know I'm joking about it because I think this place is great Yeah, because uh, I think there is an element of no one really notices if you shit on America because complaining is part of comedy. <laughs> and also, I think complaining is very American. Yeah. So it's not anti-American to complain about America. But yeah. but I, I this special was really about 
a, it really was a love letter to America. It's why I'm here. It's why I wanted to come here. It's why I'm still here. It's why I'm still like loving it here. You know, so I wanted to kind of get that clear as early as possible. Mm-hmm. That that hey guys, I'm you know this is this is, we aspire to more. That's why when I call you out, there's a reason why I call you out because we expect more from here because this is supposed to be a great place, right? You know, there's that part where you say like this sucks, that sucks. Did you learn by based on people's reactions what Americans oh. find sucks? Because I imagine you try different <laughs> things. I I did, but honestly, it's just from personal observation. Yeah. I didn't I didn't market test that very much. Although someone did suggest to me in LA, I should say LA traffic sucks because yeah. I just said I said New Jersey traffic, so oh, Newark traffic sucks or something like that. And someone, so I did change it just because we were in LA at the time. But, yeah, and then it makes sense because yeah. they're different coasts. Does yeah, yeah. was the subway sucks intentionally sort of foreshadowing to the subway being <laughs> subway comes up again yeah. later, yeah. and then also sort of. Frame positively. Yeah, yeah. Is that a th- are, is that a thing that you're noticing? Uh, no. In fact, that's <laughs> so, what you pointed. You just pointed it out to me. But I guess we make stuff, and it becomes more than what we intended, right? Yeah. So, so, but that's exactly what I'm saying. By if you write enough bits and you join them together, you start to see the connections. You know, I didn't even see that connection, and it was there. Yeah. The connections. You know, it it that that's how you build hours, man. That's it's this kind of stuff that the 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 unintentional, you know, thoughts that connect. Yeah. There's a smaller ending, but the sort of bigger ending is it ends with you sort of pretending to throw up the <laughs> just the, from the abundance. What does that symbolize to you? Why is that for the, the culmination of the joke? The idea that people are so <laughs> that people are so disgusted when um, by things which are awesome here in America yeah. that they'll physically throw up when 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 something isn't. You know, to their, I don't know, to their idealized version of whatever it should be, that they get so disgusted that, man, this Netflix is terrible. <laughs> it's not, yeah. You know, I guess it's also a joke on people who critique, yeah, yeah. you know, um, who are just unappreciative, basically. It's the unappreciative people that are disgusting. You know, yeah. that's kind of what I'm trying to say. So the joke ends with like a true conclusion statement. So instead of ending on sort of the big laugh, you, you end with sort of like an ending, which is, uh, Everyone fighting to come in here. Everyone in here bitching, <laughs> which is you know it's a different choice than. I love hearing you do my stuff. I'm like completely without any yeah, yeah, yeah. sense <laughs> That is my signature move. So, yeah. you know, you could end with the retching. You could end yeah, with yeah. a transition, but yeah. you end with like, and this is the ending. You know why end that way? And also, like, what do you want the result to be? If in so much as this is an argument, I, I want to really make that statement home. It's like. Things here are really good. Everyone here is complaining. Do you guys understand? Like, yeah. everyone here is bitching, but like, <laughs> people trying to come in here. Like, yeah. everyone in here is like, oh, this sucks. I was, I was just trying to kind of give people a bit of a mirror to themselves and yeah. be like, yo, be more appreciative, man. Things are pretty good, you know? This is this is not the the first joke in this special, but it's the first sort of main section. Um, it's also arguably the most heated you get throughout the show. Like, it's the the... You're angry. You're angriest for the longest. Okay. Why is it placed here? How do you think about pacing an hour? Um, I, you're telling me things I didn't even know about my special. Actually, to be honest, um, <laughs> but but there is a element of, um, you get them in with something relatable, uh, especially for me. You know, nobody yeah. here really knows who I am, so I wanted the first joke on the special to kind of be something everyone can kind of get behind. Yeah, you can't. St- do a personal story because like we don't know who you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Or even if you get too mad at something, you know, yeah. it people it might be off-putting because people aren't behind you yet. They, you haven't kind of earned enough of their respect to be angry at anything. So you know that kind of statement. I feel like you can, you can. Um, what was the joke that you feel is the angriest? It's not even that it's the angriest. It is the the most heated you get. What 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 is the it? part when you are talking about Amazon Prime is oh. like the most. I would say the highest f- pitch of. Really I'm yelling throughout wow, the special. Oh, damn. Okay. I think this is just landing the punches and I feel like uh, man, I wish I wish I had a better answer for you, but I think <laughs> it's, okay. it's like when you're landing the punches, you know, you just keep going for the combo. Like that's really what it was for, for yeah. so I've I've got some jokes in my in my career and I wish all my jokes were like that where it's like you can feel the audience on the ropes and you mm-hmm. just okay, we're just going to keep throwing haymakers here because you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, I know I can get them and 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 I felt like the joke was hard hitting enough to draw people in from the start. So that's kind of why I hit it so hard. Yeah. I was like, okay, just, I'm just going to hammer this into the audience so that they'll get behind me for yeah. the rest of a special. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll be right back with more Ronnie Chang.
Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Calling all female runners. It's time to lace up and join Team Milk. Since the 2022 New York City Marathon, Team Milk has sponsored female marathon runners nationwide, providing support and shining a spotlight on their unique stories, perseverance, and drive to go the distance. Why milk? Dairy milk is an excellent nutritional ad for both marathon training and recovery. Milk contains 13 essential nutrients, including high-quality protein, making it a crucial component of a training diet. Plus, it's one of the best beverages for hydration, even better than water. The same electrolytes that are added to many of your favorite sports drinks are found naturally in milk. And in 2024, Team Milk is taking the next step to empower female runners by launching the only women's marathon in the U.S. designed for and by women. Built to be accessible, empowering, and community building, the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon will take place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16, 2024. You can learn more and register for the marathon at everywomansmarathon.com. I want to talk about anger for a second. Sure. Um, You've talked about how a lot of your material starts from things that you're angry or frustrated uh, or sort of angry thoughts you've had. So, and also on the Daily Show, you're sort of tasked with being <laughs> angry yeah. a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, what is the the value of it as sort of a creatively motivated person? What what did you use the value of sort of like a, an art that expresses anger? Damn, I mean that's Jesus. Well, that's a great question. I think a lot of people hide their anger um, because they're nice people. Mm-hmm. Uh, they hide their frustrations in day to day life. I, so I think there's something cathartic about being able to express that or hear someone else express the same frustrations that they're feeling in a way which maybe they wanted to mm-hmm. at some point. Um, so I think maybe that's the value of it. Uh, honestly, for me, it's the only way I know how to <laughs> yeah, do exactly, it. Yeah. I mean, I got one mode. And um, uh, yeah, I just found that the things that I genuinely felt angry about, it would translate on stage. Yeah. So usually that's like my divining stick. If something makes me angry, I'm always like, oh, there should be some joke mm-hmm. here because people seem to get behind it. Do you have a sense if the audience is laughing with you or at you? Is it sort of a mix of both? Uh, yeah. I like to think they're laughing with me because I hope they are laughing with me. I mean, I think they laugh at me at some points, but mm-hmm. I hope overall they're laughing with me. Because when I started out, you know, at first it was uncontrolled anger. It was crazy. It was like like yelling at people. <laughs> And I, you could do that for five minutes and ten minutes and kill. Like, like la- yelling at the audience. Like, yeah. why are you doing? Like, why yeah. are you looking like it that? It would or- basically be like, like, do you, do, do you understand what I'm saying? Do you even speak English? Like, do you even speak your own language? Like that stuff I would yell yeah. in Australia. I'd yell, call people out and yell at them, and that worked for a while. And then the longer sets I, I did, the more it, it I kind of realized like, ah, oh, it's not quite right. Mm-hmm. And so it became like trying to get people on your side. Like, we're in this together yes. to get angry at this as yeah. opposed to going at them. I used to go at them really hard, man. The first, I mean, I, I, I feel like I have tapes about it. I mean, one big step for me was I went to go back to watch comedy. When yeah. I, I was about three or f- three years in, four years in, I was doing a lot of comedy. I wasn't watching a lot of it. And I was like, ah, damn, you know, people, we get so self-entitled on stage because it's our time yeah. and we spend all day writing these <laughs> stupid jokes and, you know, don't interrupt me and fucking, I'm going to do this thing. Yeah. How dare you? You know, and then you watch it with the people and you're like, man, a lot of people, they, they're here because they want to hear from you. And 
people, you know, they've had a long day at work. You don't know what happened in their life. Like you don't know what, what they're carrying with them, what mm -hmm. burden they're carrying. They came here to kind of let it go. And so not only do you show them the respect of like performing, you also like, yeah, go easy on them, man. Yeah. They've had a long day, you know, they, they paid money to be here. Like, why are you going at them? You know, like, so that, that really was very influential yeah, to me. Of, of, so, so that helped me kind of re re redirect the anger away from, from them to like this yeah. thing. Let's, let's just fucking, you, have you had a bad day? Let's fucking take yeah, you yeah. out on this thing. It's you know? us versus the it's, thing. Yeah. Us versus the thing. Yeah. Um, is punching up, punching down on your radar? Do you think about who is the target and how do you think about it? I do think about it a little bit, but for me, it's what's funny, you yeah. know? And uh, I think, you know, punching down is is kind of edgy, right? Yeah. It's also, you know, common, the common refrain is don't punch down, punch yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, punching, so that's why punching down is edgy because it's yeah. not exactly uh, usually acceptable. But, you know, sometimes... Sometimes the point of comedy is to be edgy, yeah. you know. So, is on my am, on my mind. Am I punching down at people who I know nothing about? Mm -hmm. But if I if I know those people, then I feel like it's fair game to punch down. So sometimes I ask Roy, like, "Hey, is this you know is this joke about black people?" You know, I I mentioned black people a few times, yeah. And I'm like, "Hey, is this okay?" And he's like, "You know, yeah." He, he said it was okay. Not that Roy's the king of black people, <laughs> yeah. but like, but he'll be he'll explain like, "Okay, it's okay because you know you're coming at from this and you." you are kind of punching down, but you're also elevating them a bit mm -hmm. in other aspects. And, you know, so we go back and forth. And sometimes it's like, you know, as a, uh, I just want to be a funny comedian. I actually appreciate that you haven't asked me any of the Asian questions yet, but, um, uh, don't worry. I have, you have I a have, bunch. Uh, no, I have like you maybe two. Yeah. But no, no, I, this is what it is. It's like, yeah. I just wanted to be a funny comedian, man. I didn't want to be a funny Asian comedian, but sometimes it's like you have to represent, you know? And so sometimes as an Asian person, representing means punching everybody. Yeah. You know, because maybe it's because everyone's been punching down at you for a while now. So now it's time to punch, you know, and we don't know where the level, whether you're above or below me, I'm just swinging now because, yeah. you know, so some, some, some of the jokes I feel are like that. They, they end up in that category of like, Am I punching down or up? I don't know. I'm just swinging for the fan. It's like everybody. I'm fighting for the right to punch. <laughs> yeah, like I yeah. haven't been, we haven't been able to punch before. Exactly. So let's just like see what it feels like. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I love it like that. And so we're just swinging, you know, I'll, I'll just swing at everything. So I like to think I'm an equal opportunity offender. Kind yeah. of like, I guess kind of like Bill Burr. Like he, I think he kind of goes after everybody. But yeah. I mean, that's controversial. But <laughs> um, Does doing it make you feel better? Does venting make you feel better? <laughs> but even beyond that, does... The idea of feel feeling better makes you nervous. I feel like Bill Burr in his last special is talking about how he doesn't want to be so angry, right? right. He's talking about like he doesn't want to be so angry for his yeah. daughter. Yeah, and there's daughter. parts of this where you're talking about like your wife feeling like you have yeah, tone yeah. issues. Yeah, yeah. Are you? Do you feel like oh I need to stay angry to have to do this? Uh, are are you being angry because it makes you feel less angry in daily life? Like what is your sort of relationship to right. it being essential to what you're doing. Wow, I think now we're going to mental health territory <laughs> about how much mental health can affect creativity. Yeah. Um, I think I'm a more mature person now. I mean, I know how to deal with that stuff better. So, I mean, I get angry. I don't lash out at people. I just mm. feel it inside. And then I'm, and then as a secondary thought, I'm like, maybe there's a joke here. Yeah. But I personally think I'm in a good place with anger and that... Um, uh, I do it on stage to express it. You know, that's how I get rid of it is by talking about it on stage. And um, uh, I think it's a useful therapy tool for me. Yeah. And also people seem to get behind it. So um, yeah, I, I, I'm pretty okay with how I deal with it, I think. Months before you taped yeah. the special, yeah. like two months before, I think you did a yeah. run of shows in Australia. Yeah. Going back, did you learn or realize sort of how you've now become a different comedian? Yes, yes. Um, yeah, I, I mean, every hour I do, I feel like it's my most mature hour mm -hmm. yet. Um, I definitely felt that with this one. I felt like there was a through line. There was a, a story I wanted to tell. I felt like it was real, pretty unique. So now when I go back to Australia, it's once I get snapshots, right? It's like once a year, once a year, once every two years. Uh, and so every time I go back, I definitely feel like, oh man, yeah, I can feel like I'm a better comic now, you know? Like, what do you feel like was the change that you noticed? The stuff I'm joking about, I think it's less juvenile, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and also the way I express it, I think it's a little bit better. It's a little bit more controlled. I feel like I'm becoming the comic I want it to be. Mm -hmm. 
like exactly what I said, where you're doing jokes you wrote in your when you're twenties and you do that joke for two years and then you're like a different yeah. person. So I didn't feel any of that stuff, you know what I mean? Like I didn't feel like I was doing jokes written by someone else. Yeah. Like I didn't feel yeah. I was doing jokes written by a previous version of myself. Yeah. I sort of really fascinated by the relationship between comedians and their audience. And you have a particularly interesting <laughs> because you have these sort of different audiences and you know, so. it's every comedian struggling with like how specific they want to be, how universal they want to be, how easy they want Sam to be yes. because they're their fans, how hard they want it to be. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're working on chunks in New York clubs, yeah, yeah. you know, then you bring to Australia where you have some fan base yeah. in the credits for the special. You think, uh, specific wow. Asian community organizers wow, for helping you get people to come out. Yeah, yeah. This is all say, how do you think about who's receiving your jokes? Who's it for? It's very complicated. I mean, for me, it was I, honestly. I'm just trying to tell funny jokes to whoever will listen. So I'll I'll do any room. I'll perform to any crowd. Um, but you cannot deny in America if you're an Asian performer you have some responsibility to speak to that crowd or at least, if not speak to them, you, you know what you're making is is going to reflect on them. So uh, I'm very lucky that the Asian American community, for the most part, I think has really welcomed me in and trying to figure out that relationship to them because that's, the, that's one of the burdens of being a... a non-white comedian I think in America it's that no matter what it's like you're expected to kind mm -hmm. of do that right you're so expected to represent your ethnicity or when bring so them few, on board yeah. or when whatever yeah, yeah when there's so few you know I just want to be a funny comedian you know and my approach has always been like I I want obviously I want people to get behind what I'm saying and Asian people um, as well right yeah. but like the way I can represent them for me is like, I'm just going to have to do what I think is funny. If they get on board, they get on board. And if they don't, I can live with that. You know, I can live with, if, I, if I'm expressing something I want to express and I think it's good, mm -hmm. I can live with whoever gets on board and who doesn't. So I'm not here to pander, you know, yeah, that's my but big I, thing. I guess the question is, I, I've heard you describe how you wanted this show, the special to look, which I thought it looked yeah, really, yeah. really great. Yeah, I, yeah. And and you described it as you wanted to evoke no. classic showbiz or yeah, Johnny Carson, yeah. and because that is not a place where you saw Asian comedians yeah, yeah. before. Yeah, coming to America, have you found yourself motivated for representate to represent in certain ways in a way that you didn't expect? Maybe. Um, I mean, I expected a little bit of that. I mean, I, you yeah, know, in Australia, the same thing. So yeah, I did expect to have to represent because I, I was the only one on the Daily Show. I yeah, think. of course. So. Um, and that's the reason Trevor brought me on board to speak to that crowd. So, yeah, I definitely felt the need to represent. And like I said, this is a complicated relationship because you want to represent, but you also don't want to be pigeonholed into mm -hmm. this thing, which is the constant battle. So, um, you know, you want to do a, a show that represents Asian people, but you don't want to be the, just the Asian yes, community. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So that's the, you know, and so that's why I feel, honestly, that's one of my proudest things about this special, which is very subtle, that trying to navigate that line of, of like this is what Asian people think, but it's not just for Asian mm -hmm. people. And and the idea of like, yeah, we, subtly showing, hey, you know, I never saw an Asian person in American showbiz in that classic yeah. showbiz setting. What would that look like? Yeah. And lo and behold, it kind of looks like, oh man, it's cool and it's different, right? Yeah. And then putting the music, even the music choices, like like we gotta put music that represents us because I think it's very common now to put hip hop, and I love hip hop. But I just felt like for this special, I was like, oh, that's not what I was trying to say. I was trying to say we have our thing mm -hmm. and it's super cool, you know, and it's Shanghai jazz was perfect because Shanghai jazz is literally Chinese people interpreting American oh, art form, right? And so th that's why we had the Shanghai jazz in it. And it only kind of kicks in towards the end. It kind of fools you into listening to it because <laughs> you don't even know it's going to be Chinese singing. <laughs> yeah. I think if we open with people, we have turned it off immediately. So stuff <laughs> like that where um, like it's in the nuances and the subtleties of like, yeah, it's 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 Asian, but it's not just for Asian people. Yeah. This is meant as a statement to everybody. Yeah, you know? especially interesting to do it visually, where mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, it's you have the advantage of people go into a stand-up show assuming like, oh, everything I need to know will be what he says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're like, well, if I convey this message yeah. visually, yeah. it can be a lot more subtle, which I yeah. think is important. And more, more powerful and, and subtle. And uh, yeah, exactly where it's, we're not hammering you over the head with it, which is what turns people off, I think. So um, you talk a lot about your, your desire and your need for your comedy to feel authentic. Yes. But as a food person, 
that I know you're really into food. I was wondering uh, if you maybe follow the sort of complex conversation around the idea of authenticity that happens around food, especially here. Um, and I was specifically thinking of, you know, David Chang, the Momofuku guy? Yeah, yeah. So he's like obsessed with this idea of authenticity and how it relates to tradition yeah. and how it might limit exploration and experimentation. Um, he especially focused on why it's let, say, traditional versions of Asian cuisines, Chinese, Korean, Vietnamese, etc., why is that more authentic than when people moved here and adapt those cuisines? Does, you know, does that make sense? Yes. The, mm-hmm. Does that resonate with you? Yes, it does. I think, I think, like I said, I've said many times. I think in storytelling, authenticity resonates. I think that you can. What you're asking me right now is whether you can find authenticity in remixing. Yeah. I think it's kind of like what you're saying, and you can if you're intentions are authentic. So if you're remixing to pander, you're going to probably mess it up. But if you're trying to say something about like, hey, these are the recipes that we brought in. You know, these these are the thoughts we brought in from Asia. Mm-hmm. And we can't get these ingredients here. So we got to make it with American stuff and got to make it our own. Yeah. But we're trying to achieve that. You know, it doesn't always work, but the intentions are different. That's different yeah. to pandering, right? Yeah. The, 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 the intentions are more trying to express yourself with something you remembered. Like, this is what it tasted like. Let's t- get it to this, you know? And then... Do you feel like your comedy is partly that, which is like, you're being authentic yourself and you're trying to update maybe certain expectations yeah, of... exactly. That's exactly what it is. So, um, I mean, it's bringing in the thoughts I always had in Asia, which is, you know, all these people are idiots. <laughs> and um, uh, when I say these people, I mean everybody. Yeah, I know. Everybody I meet is uh, pretty stupid. And then... Um, uh, trying to explain that to, to American audiences. Um, I'm not going to be what w- Americans think Asian people are supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I, and I'm not, I'm not even going to be what Asian people in America expect me to be or want me to do. So that's how I express my authenticity is, yeah. hey, hey, I like everybody. I, I hope you guys get behind what I'm saying, but I'm not going to pander to Anyone, I'm going to express what I think is the best version of this, and then hopefully get behind it. You know, I think that's kind yeah, of yeah. It, it is not adhering to some sort of idea what that means. Yeah. It's being true to yourself, and that makes it universal, opposed to being like, well, let me abide to some sort of rules sure. of what we think the universal idea of an Asian community sure. would be. Which is pretty easy. I mean, that's you know, uh, you could you could easily just do what you know the Americans think you were going to be, which is this grateful refugee mm-hmm. in America or this whatever, timid, meek, you know, which is what they like in the UK because, yeah, that's how they do it there. They, they literally, you know, anyway. They, <laughs> um, or even what the Asian people want, which is like, yo, do more jokes about Asian stuff. You know, why don't you joke about this or joke about this, you know? And it's like, well, I don't really want to, you know? Yeah. So it goes both ways is what I'm yeah. trying to say. You know, it goes both ways. You try to be your own person. <laughs> That sound means it's time for our final segment, which is the laughing round. It's like a lightning round, but because it's comedy, it's a laughing round. Great. Uh, do you have a joke that you wish you could steal, but not in like a bad way, like in a way where it's another dimension where it's you. You have everything exactly the same, except for this joke from another comedian is now your joke and you get to tell it. Damn. Um, no, but that, I can tell you guys. I can tell you guys who I wish I, sure. you know, all that stuff. I, Fahim Anwa, I think everything he does, I'm always like, damn, I wish I thought of that. He has this great bit about um, uh, about Uber drivers, like how people would come into his car thinking he's an Uber driver and <laughs> and people won't even care that he's not. Anyway, it's a joke about how like white women will jump into anyone's car and just think that they're an Uber driver. And he's like, he, he thinks that, they think that it's just like Agent Smith in the Matrix. Like as soon as they come in, they just go, where would you like to go? Is the airport? Like, yeah. <laughs> like they- your, your website has a section for food, but it's still all Melbourne stuff. So yeah. let's say you had a person who had 36 hours in New York. Yeah. What would you recommend oh. they eat? So lunch, oh. dinner, breakfast, lunch, dinner. Oh, you don't even know me, man. This is, I mean, I did. My, I asked look, you the yeah. question. <laughs> look at this map of New York. This is my map of New York. That's the so I've heard about this map, and yeah. I mostly asked it to see it. Yeah. So, but off the top of your head, where where are they going? Okay, is it a business meeting? Uh, okay, I got you. Let's say the dinner is a business meeting, but okay. they're going to be a few meals that are not. Okay, so breakfast go first. Okay, New York. Look, Russ and daughters, 
go for bagels and lox. Okay. Mm. Then lunchtime, you want to go for um, you could go for jejun, which is Korean ramen. Uh, it just got Michelin star. Uh, and very affordable restaurant still. Uh, you could go Korea, which is Japanese curry, probably the best Japanese curry. Uh, for dinner, you go Tiapo, which is Spanish tapas. Or you could go Hanoi House. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's two other restaurants which opened up recently. Uncle Chop Chop, which is which is amazing. Uh, Weila, which is Thai food. Wayan, which is also Thai food, I think. <laughs> and then Torishin, which is Michelin Michelin hat uh, yakitori. Yeah, yeah. So and that's you know. So I don't know. I just give you like that. 16, that works. Yeah. Spread it out yeah, however you would yeah. like. Um, do you have a joke that? Never worked. You tried it over and over again, but you couldn't get an audience to get on board. But you'll go to your grave thinking that's funny. <laughs> uh, no, nah, I, I still, I still in my head. It's still in my head. I think there's something about, yeah, there's something about. Uh, I'm trying to figure out a way to joke about Asian masculinity, and I can't get people to get behind it yet because it's weird. It's like. <laughs> It's very specific to Asian men, so people, you know, don't quite understand. And the way you explain it, it comes off as like weird and like, mm-hmm. like, um, uh, weirdly, you know, yeah. It, it's a weird topic to talk about. Yeah, Asian masculinity. So that's the thing which I find funny, but I haven't tried gotten it to work yet. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite thing you've ever said on the Daily Show or? It's a one uh, sentence, even like to try to boil okay, it down. Sure, sure. I asked Bill Gates, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> what did camera. he say? He said, no, nothing. I'm fine. I'm fine. What are you talking about? I think I'm feeling great. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> uh, let's see. Last thing. Can you do an impression of yourself? Oh, shit. <laughs> do you know, I don't want to pat myself on the back, but basically everyone in Australia has an impression of me. <laughs> Every comic in Australia has an impression of me. If you ask, if you see any Australian from like who came up to yeah. Australia, they'll they'll have an impression of. What me. does it sound like? So I'm Ryan Chang. I'm Ryan Chang. What? Shut the fuck up. I'm Ryan Chang. That's my, <laughs> that's apparently what I sound like. That's it for another episode. You can watch Asian Comedian Destroys America on Netflix. Follow Ronnie on social media at Ronnie Chang. Good One is produced by myself, Jelani Carter, and Art Chung. Editorial assistance from Amanda Gordon and Emily Sen. Gautam Shrikashen did our theme song. Write a review and rate the show on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, please. Email any comments, questions, or laughing around suggestions to goodonepodcast at gmail.com or tweet at us at goodonepodcast. I am Jesse David Fox. You can follow me at Jesse David Fox. Good One is a production of Vulture and the Vox Media Podcast Network. We'll be back next week. Have a good one. Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running, and that's not the case. Most runners hate running, <laughs> but they choose to do it. In the new docu-series Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon taking place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16th, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.